Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. We're going to start this week with a little bit of a review. So I have had a review, uh, a five-star review. So thank you very, very much. Say every week, five-star reviews are the best way to support this podcast if you can't do it monetarily. This gentleman or lady has actually tried to do it monetarily. Um, It says, neither Safari or Google will display the Patreon website. Thought you should know. Um, I don't know if anybody else is having issues with that. I personally haven't had issues with that because I obviously upload onto Patreon. All these episodes go onto Patreon first. Um, So I haven't had an issue with that. So if you are struggling with Patreon or you're having any problems, drop me a message. Um, I can send you the direct link for the specific uh, episodes that you're missing. Um, Or I can even send you the file for what you're missing as well so don't worry too much if you are on patreon and for whatever reason you're struggling to either get onto it or to sign up we can always sort that out for you so without further ado we have got a story um which to be honest i i'm still contemplating whether i believe this is actually a true story um because this is uh, obviously, I'm sure you guys will probably have noticed because I talk about it on Facebook all the time, but we have Dad back on the show. Um, he's got a story from what I was aware was a film and was never aware it was anything other than a film. Um, but apparently, there is a true story behind it. So, what are we talking about? Right. Well, thank you for having me on your uh, podcast, Dan. Always a pleasure. No problem. Okay. <laughs> Well, I'm going to give you the true story behind the film Jaws. Yeah. 
and I'm not sure, like, I'm still contemplating whether this actually exists. Okay. Because <laughs> it just, when it came out as a film, it's just, it was almost a film. Yeah, okay. it was too unbelievable. I know? will give you the incident that occurred. Yep. You can make your own mind up as to whether this is the basis for the, the film. film and the book. Okay. Okay. Okay, so the true story behind Jaws. Yeah? Yeah. Um, the name Shark conjures up fear in many people. In fact, hundreds of people. Mm -hmm. All right? For thousands of years, sailors told horrendous stories of sea creatures attacking ships and men. And in 1851, there was an American writer called Herman Melville. Now, he wrote a book, Moby Dick. Yep. And it was about a man who was eaten by a whale. Mm -hmm. Or a man-eating whale. Yeah? Yeah. Even the Christian Bible has stories, one of which, Jonah and the whale. I don't think I've heard that one, but... Jonah and the whale? You don't no. know the Bible? <laughs> no. We'll have to educate you. In... <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, in 1975, Hollywood producer Steven Spielberg created a film which has now become iconic. It's based on a book by a gentleman called Peter Blenchley, and he wrote it the year before, 1974. Now, there can't be many people in the world who haven't seen the film, and even fewer who don't know the story. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right. If you're one of these people, then this little bit is for you. You're in a minority, but there you go. The film <laughs> tells the story of a small coastal resort town during a hot summer, and the problems they encounter when a man-eating shark comes to visit. That's the gist of the film. Pretty much there. That, yeah. that covers okay. pretty much all of it. The film itself was a sensation. It cost $9 million to make, but actually made $261 million, which wow. is equivalent to $1.2 billion in 2020. Okay. It's so a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot. It was right. a big, big film. There was a downside to the film, though. It caused a vast number of people to stop going into the ocean, along with a substantial increase in shark sightings. Sharks rapidly became the terror of the oceans, and the film was blamed for casting them as negative stereotypes. This became known as the Jaws effect. Okay. All right. Now, a shark is just a fish. And like any other animal in the natural world, it will defend itself if it's attacked or threatened. Fish it may be, but the whale shark can reach up to 46 feet in length. <laughs> now, fortunately for us humans and, and others, it's a, this one is a filter feeder. But the largest predatory shark is the great white. You must have heard of the Great yeah. White. Yeah, obviously. Okay. Carcorodon caracarius. Yeah. Yeah. And it can reach up to 21 feet in length. So it's still pretty big. That's not a small fish. <laughs> it will actually weigh up to about 7,000 pounds. Yeah. That's, that's not little, is it? Right. Now, these remarkable fish have a bite strength of up to 4,000 pounds per square inch. And they never stop growing. Okay. So when they reach 21 foot, that's like the end of their life. Near enough, yeah. 
Okay. They have a life expectancy of around 70 years. Seven zero. So similar to humans, really. Mm-hmm. And humans don't form part of their diet, which for the most part is other fish. Large sharks do attack sea mammals like seals and sea lions along with fish and occasionally other sharks. But in the main, sharks eat dead or dying creatures that are in their vicinity. So I suppose they, technically they could be classed as the refuge collectors of the oceans. Mm. There are about 500 different shark species in the oceans, but only three of them are responsible for a double-digit number of fatal, unprovoked attacks on people. Okay. They are the tiger shark, the bull shark, and, of course, the great white shark. There is another one, the oceanic white tip, which has been known to attack humans and probably deserves to be in this group of three, making it a group of four. But because this one lives in open ocean, it doesn't leave any evidence. So statistically, it can't be included. Yeah, and I mean, you're for those of you who don't know, obviously, Dad, Dad's a, what, a qualified diving instructor and swam with sharks. I have actually come out of a... Um, a shipwreck in the Red Sea and being confronted with an ocean-going white tip. Yeah. So at 60 meters and they're not little. They are definitely not little. No. And and but what like from my experience, I mean obviously I don't have any experience with sharks. My daughter Summer, she's obsessed with sharks. I mean absolutely obsessed with them. And whether I'm being schooled here by an 8-year-old, but am I right in saying that sharks don't actually kill humans what they do is they bite realize that they don't actually like the taste because it's not what their normal diet is and they leave and then those bites sometimes can be fatal they don't actually chew and swallow and eat humans now you are a mind reader really okay mainly because i mean as i'm gonna say if, if humans aren't a shark's natural food why do they attack people which is the question you've just yeah. asked isn't it yeah pretty much yeah so, research, so summer's right. <laughs> it's, uh, technically, yes. Research on sharks suggests that attacks on humans are not the result of the fish actually wanting to eat people. Their eyesight is very good, and some, including the great white, have the ability to, to detect, detect a small amount of blood in the water at a distance of up to a quarter of a mile. Okay. So a shark's brain is hardwired to snap at anything that looks like a fish in distress. Okay, so uh, a foot with a tanned top and a, a lighter colour underneath in surf shallows is, is going to be like a fish. Yeah. A struggling fish. And it cleans up injured and dead fish. So that's what it does. Given that a shark prefers to attack with considerable force from below, there's compelling evidence from survivors of attacks suggesting that sharks may simply have been investigating what they consider to be foreign objects in the water. So mm. basically, the shark sees, smells, or hears something. Is it food? Lacking any limbs, such as hands, hands or feet, the only way they can explore an object is to bite it. And these bites are known as test bites. The shark takes a bite, identifies that it isn't food, and moves off. The bite can have fatal consequences especially if it's a human victim yeah and the beaches of the world that have shark populations 
normally have signs warning people not to swim at dawn or dusk because they are the main feeding times for sharks. Okay. So as the sun comes up yeah. or the sun goes down. In addition, those areas also ban dogs from the beach. Okay. Didn't know that. Uh, because the barking of a dog will attract a shark, mainly because it sounds like a seal or a sea lion, which sharks do eat. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and they do sound very similar, to be fair. Okay, so the, we go back to, that's your basics, yeah? The film Jaws was taken from uh, Peter Benchley's book of the same name. So where did he get his information from and the inspiration for the book? The answer... The United States of America in 1916. Okay. All right. So this is the true story of Jaws. The place is the New Jersey coast. The time, the summer, 1916. So let's go back to 1916 and to the east coast of the USA. At this time, very little was known about sharks, far less about how they operated, in fact, until the beginning of the 20th century, very few people entered the sea for recreational activities, so any attacks by sea creatures were mainly confined to sailors, and rarely did they actually become known by the general population. So the chances of being attacked were a hell of a lot less than they are today. But that was going to change. Mainly down to the turn of the century, more people had leisure time to spare. That's leisure, English, leisure, leisure. Uh, American, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in the coastal region, regions, this time was realistically spent on the beaches and swimming in the sea. But even though some attacks happened, many people just refused to believe that they ever existed. Okay. I mean, in the early 1890s, there had been some unstantiated reports of shark attacks along the east coast of the U.S., Nobody took them seriously. In fact, a New York ship owner, a gentleman called Herman Ulwick, offered $500 as a reward to anybody that could produce evidence of a shark attack on America's eastern seaboard. That's the, weird. The, 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 uh, the reward was never claimed. So the, Yeah, so people just didn't... Yeah. Either so, it didn't happen or, or yeah. <laughs> they were dead. Now, the small coastal towns of New, New Jersey became very popular destinations for people, mainly due to their proximity to the large cities and the railway links to get them there. The rich spent a lot of money in these towns, and some cases actually had summer homes for these rich people. And it's in the interest of these town leaders to make the beach resorts safe, or at least regarded as safe. Yeah. The beaches were all patrolled by lifeguards. Special safe swimming areas were roped off. Bear in mind, people had only just started to go swimming in the sea. Yeah. So so you needed an area so that somebody could keep an eye on them in case they couldn't swim. Yeah, I agree. So that's yeah. the kind of thing we're looking at. Sharks weren't a, an issue at this point in time. It, it just meant, you know, they could be monitored. Now, if anybody had any concerns about sharks then a scientific paper published in april 1916 about shark behavior 
It just dispelled all of these fears by stating that there was no evidence an unprovoked shark attack had ever occurred on the New Jersey shore and sharks were not dangerous. That's a scientific journal. Okay. 1916. April 1916. Which, to be fair, even though, you know, Jaws and I'm assuming this story probably counteracts that, it's probably not wrong. They're not really dangerous. They just have a, a heavy bite. Technically, yeah. 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 So... The summer of 1916 was a hot one. Hundreds of people made their way to the coast to promenade up and down the boardwalks and swim in the sea. The summer, there was a polio epidemic in New York and people were said to be dying off at a rate of about one per hour. So the population of the area actually took any chance to get away and the coast was a good, good bet. So Saturday, the 1st of July, funnily enough, the same day as the Battle of the Somme. Wow. Uh, Done an episode on that. uh, I saw the temperature in New Jersey actually reach 80 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, it's not exceptionally hot, but you have to remember that the modesty laws and fashion of the day dictated that everybody wore long, heavy clothing. Yeah. So... They're going to want to get to the coast and cool off. Add to that, there was no such thing as air conditioning. The temperature made things very, very uncomfortable. So, arriving at Beach Haven, Long Island, that afternoon on a train from Philadelphia was a gentleman called Charles Vansant. He was 24. Beach Haven at the time was one of the more fashionable resorts on the Jersey Shore and was home to a number of upmarket hotels charles his parents and two sisters had booked into a hotel called the engleside and it's quite common for young men of the time to go down to the beach and swim in the sea prior to dinner and this is exactly what charles did at half past six he took leave of his family and went to the beach with his dog he entered the sea for a about 15 yards from shore in shallow water. Now, he heard people shouting from the beach. They had actually seen a fin breaking the surface and heading towards him. It's not certain if Charles actually realised the exact reason for the shouts, but he began to head back to shore anyway. The onlookers later reported that suddenly he began shouting to those on the beach. Initially... Some thought he was shouting at his dog, but this wasn't the case. His shouts became desperate cries for help. Now, there was a lifeguard on duty, a gentleman called Alexander Ott, who was stationed on the beach, and he ran into the water and pulled Charles back to the shore. Once in shallower water, Alexander was assisted by another man called Sheridan Taylor, who said the shark followed them almost to the beach. Now, once ashore, they saw that Charles's left leg, thigh, had been torn open and he was bleeding badly. So Ott used a skirt from one of the uh, onlookers to apply a tourniquet and Charles was carried back to the Engleside Hotel where they put him on the manager's desk. Uh, And... He was treated. Unfortunately, 
Charles died from loss of blood. Now, this was the first ever fatal shark attack recorded on the east side of the United States. It made those scientists who published their paper a few months earlier look very, very stupid. Yeah. It's amazing what happens when scientists get proved wrong. Mm. Does happen. Yeah, it did in those days. Yeah. It does, not so much now, but yeah. Um, the town leaders, now this is where it gets out, they played the tragedy down because it was only in Philadelphia that this attack made the headlines. Most of the other papers in the area relegated it to a paragraph or two hidden inside the newspapers. Ooh. In fact, the word shark wasn't used in any of the reports. <laughs> The headline read, Man Dies After Attack by Fish. Which is still technically correct. It is. <laughs> he was killed by a fish. A very vicious one, but still and a that, fish. And that's the headline in the New York Times. <laughs> and, and and they buried it on page 28. <laughs> yeah, very much like the uh, the old railway incidences. When yeah. someone dies, they just oh, let's hide this away so people don't. Yeah, I mean, any fears that the bathers were, had, were uh, they were quickly discounted and the incident was put down to a fluke or the shark was going for the dog and Charles just got in the way. Yeah. Right. So the beachgoers continued to go to the sea and things never changed. Despite Charles's attack, the beaches along the New Jersey shore remained open. Sightings of large sharks swimming off the coast of New Jersey suddenly started getting reported. And they were reported by sea captains entering the ports of Newark and New York City. But again, they were dismissed. Okay. With the 4th of July only days away, nothing would stop these celebrations from taking place. And the hotel owners, where Charles Van Sant had died they put up safety netting 300 feet from the shore, just as a precaution so, so that, uh, you know, it, was, it mm. was there. Yeah, just to make sure, just in case. It was too bad the next victim wasn't anywhere near the first incident, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, dear. 45 miles up the coast from Beach Haven and only 35 miles from New York is a small town called Spring Lake. It's kind of a quaint little place with Victorian-style houses, vacation homes, and was very, very exclusive for the upper end of society. There were several hotels there, but one of the biggest and the grandest was called the Essex and Sussex. Now, working at this hotel was a 27-year-old bellboy called Charles Bruder. During his downtime, Charles liked to go swimming in the sea. Around two o'clock in the afternoon on the 6th of July, so it's five days after Charles Van Sant, Bruder had a couple of hours off. He decided he would join his friends down on the beach by the South End Pavilion. He was soon swimming in the Atlantic with them and all the other tourists. There were a lot of people in the water. Yeah. And for reasons known... 
A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Only to him, he decides he's going to swim outside the roped-off area and some distance away from his friends. But he's only about 150 yards from the beach. At about quarter past two in the afternoon, a woman on the beach alerted two lifeguards. They were Captain George White and a gentleman called Chris Anderson. And he, she alerted them to what she believed was an overturned red canoe some distance beyond the roped-off safety zone. Now, believing they were going to help a canoeist, they launched their lifeboat. They headed towards it. As they drew closer, they heard a man screaming. They then saw a man screaming amongst a swirling circle of red water. Approaching the man, they found him desperately trying to keep afloat. They pulled alongside him and heard him shout, A shark! A shark bit me, bit my legs off. Now White extended an oar to uh, the gentleman, Bruder, who used it to get to the lifeboat. From there, White hauled him on board. But White later said that he was much lighter than he expected. And once on the boat, the reason for it was clear. Hmm. He had no legs. No legs. They were torn off below the knees. Now, Bruder lost consciousness while lying in the bottom of the boat as they rowed back to shore. But once on the beach, he was attended to immediately by doctors. There was doctors on the beach. And one of them was a Dr. Cornell. The other was a, a Dr. William Trout. And they were house physicians at the new monmouth hotel charles bruder never gained reconsciousness he died minutes after reaching the shore due to blood loss i'm not surprised now a woman called mona charles told the police she saw bruder's body flung into the air as the shark bit him she watched the attack through theater glasses well, she stood on the shore. She reported seeing the shark turn away from him, only to dart back towards him. She described it as how an aeroplane would attack a zeppelin. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, okay, so he went now... Back for a second bite. Now the New Jersey coastline goes into panic. Within days, hundreds of people left the area. The towns, the beach fronts, they lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Something's got to be done. 
two days later, on the 8th of July, there was a press conference held in the American Museum of Natural History where an effort was made to alleviate people's fears. And in this, three very prominent scientists of the time actually said the chances of a third attack are highly unlikely. <laughs> you believe that or not, people still refuse to go to the sea. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think I, I mean, would. I mean, I live by the seaside. I think, and we go in the sea. I think if there was one attack at Cleethorpes, I don't think I'd go in there again. That'd just be it. Nah, sod that. It's not worth the risk. <laughs> There's a swimming pool. Sod that. <laughs> so, what do you reckon? Close to... Uh... Yeah, pretty much. Yeah? I mean, obviously, they over-egged it on the Jaws movie. It yeah. was, but... Yeah, so we get there. 12th of July, four days after the attack on Charles Bruder. Charles Bruder was the second gentleman. Mm-hmm. 30 miles north... An old sea captain was crossing a bridge over a place called Keyport Creek. Captain's name was Thomas Cottrell. Now, he saw what he thought was an eight-foot shark swimming up the river. He reported this, but no shark has ever been known to swim upstream into fresh water from the sea. Yeah, I was going to say. At 12 miles inland, there's a town called... Matawan. Okay. So we get 12 miles inland. On s- fresh water. Fresh water. It's a sort of, I don't know how you describe it. It's a sort of Huckleberry Finn sort of place. Yeah. Laid back, quiet. Um, and, in fact, on this day, the 12th, it was hot and sunny. The children and those that could were taking advantage of a, the cool creek. It was just a creek. One of the boys brought along his pet dog, which was swimming with them around and they were all mucking about. Around two o'clock in the afternoon, while playing in the water, a group of boys saw something floating in the water. First, they think it's a log. Until a fin breaks the surface and heads straight towards them. They made for the shore. One of them, Lester Stilwell, didn't make it. The shark took hold of him and dragged him back into the water. Lester was 11 years old. The boys ran off to get help. Yeah. Well, left him in the water. <laughs> they brought back some people to the creek. And a search for Lester was started. One of the men, um, a gentleman called Arthur Smith, who'd come back to the creek, entered the creek within minutes he sustained a laceration to his leg. So he's got a quite a deep cut on his leg. That would later require stitches. He swam back to the shore. Meanwhile, another man, 24-year-old Watson Stanley Fisher, saw little Lester beneath the water. He dives under the water to rescue him. Dark shape slams into Fisher from his right. It pulls him under. It attacks him. The athlete, because that's what Stanley Fisher was, frantically pummeled what was attacking him with his fists. It was a shark. It wasn't until a rowing boat actually beat the shark off with oars that the animal finally let go. 
10 pounds of flesh were torn away from Fisher's thigh. Ooh. All that was left was bone. Stanley made it back to the shore, but without Lester, without the boy. Stanley died later that day of his injuries. I'm not surprised. That's uh, quite a lot. And then do say if you break your leg, the top of your leg, then you... Especially if you've got nothing left on it, it's just yeah, a bone. Yeah, you, you've not got much, you've not got long. 30 minutes after the attack on Stanley Fisher, a 14-year-old boy was attacked swimming in the same area. His name was Joseph Dunn. He was a mere couple of feet from a dock ladder when he felt a tug on his leg. Two of his friends pulled on his arms trying to get Joseph up the ladder. Joseph's brother and friends, they managed to hit the shark because that's what it was, with things, things being rocks, stones, sticks, anything, forcing it to abandon its attack. Joseph's leg was bleeding, but he lived after the shark had let go. What saved Joseph was the shark bite hadn't severed any major arteries. They succeeded in getting Joseph to medical help, despite the extensive injuries, he actually recovered. So by now, word had spread that there was a shark in the creek. Crowds began scouring the area, scouring the water, with the sole purpose of taking revenge. No shark was found. The local mayor offered a reward to anyone who could kill the man-eater. People came from all over the surrounding area to try and claim the money. It was all-out war on sharks, and it didn't matter what size or species it was. If it was a shark, they killed it. Anything and everything was used, including dynamite. Like dynamite, <laughs> chuck it in the water. That's such an American way to deal with the problem as well. Now, if I could just blow it up. <laughs> There'd always been reports of shark attacks, but they were rare. One every couple of years. But now, there'd been several fatalities inside 10 days. Even the government was concerned. These events made headlines across the US, pushing the First World War onto the inside pages. Even the London Times had headlines, man-eating sharks invading US. Wow. Due to the situation, President Wilson became involved and he ordered the Coast Guard to help find these rogue fish. Lots of local communities offered rewards to anyone who killed the man-eating shark and hundreds of fishermen put to sea trying to claim the reward. It was open season on any shark that just happened to be on the East Coast. Literally thousands of sharks were killed. On the 14th of July, a man called Michael Schleiser from New York was fishing at a place called Raritan Bay, just four miles northwest of the mouth of Matawan Creek. He caught a great white shark. The fish is around seven and a half foot long, weighed 325 pounds. The shark nearly sank the boat before Schleiser killed it with a broken oar. Bring back any memories? Mm. Nearly sank a boat? Yeah. When its stomach was open, suspicious fleshy material and bones that took up about two-thirds of a milk crate and weighed about 15 pounds, was found inside it. Scientists identified the material as human. 
they found their killer shark. Though no one could be sure that they'd captured the same shark as the one which killed the first two victims, there were no more deaths. The shark attacks of 1916. Hmm. I mean, that could be because they caught the shark. It also could be because nobody dared go in the water after that. Now, there's some controversy over whether this fish being the one that committed the attacks in the or and the one that was the great white but do they they're not supposed to survive in fresh water no i didn't think there was many that could bull sharks do they're on your list could it be that the attacks just stopped could it be that a bull shark was actually responsible mm in addition, some of the experts later believed the remains found inside that shark were much older than a couple of weeks, and Schleiser had put them there to claim the reward money. Because bearing in mind, he was a taxidermist. <laughs> okay, very possible then. Now, Peter Bletchley, he actually denied that this story was his inspiration for Jaws. I really can't see how it isn't. No, I can't. Several reporters believe the same. We'll leave you to decide that one. Yeah, I think... Shark Attacks, 1916. Very similar to Jaws. Yeah. I think it's too it's too convenient not to be. Yeah. But he's uh, obviously trying to keep his poetic license and... <laughs> Well, no, I'd never heard of these stories before. Hadn't you? No. Yeah, there you go, you see. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely uh, definitely the inspiration for the story. Well, like I said, I never never realised, you know, you, like I said, growing up, obviously, knowing little bits about sharks and, you know, through, you know, through my own kids telling me that, you know, sharks don't tend to attack humans and you sort of, when you see this, the film Jaws, well, I haven't seen it for years, but... You just think, oh, that's, you know, can't. Because that age-old quote, you're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah. It doesn't seem to, you just think it's fake. You know, yeah. it's just a film. It's just a film, yeah. But. Well, before these attacks, humans in general were not afraid of sharks. That all changed in the 12 days of July 1916. Whereas sharks had previously been seen as harmless after the New Jersey shore attacks, the pendulum of public opinion went to the opposite extreme. Sharks quickly became viewed as eating machines, but also they're known as fearless killers. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, when you when you came, obviously, like you said, you come out of a shipwreck and you, you see a shark, obviously being in a situation where you are in the sea quite a lot i mean how many times have you been in the sea is probably unreal but like did you get do you get like a different feeling when you're around them I've, you dived, have... I've dived with sharks i've dived with big sharks um when we came out of the wreck at about 60 meters down we knew we were at the point where we had to come up to the surface we'd come out of the shipwreck and you see this fish just in the distance, just in the range of about as far away as you can see. Mm. And then you recognise what it is. 
Yeah. And suddenly it's not safe. The fish probably is going to ignore me, which it did. It just swam off. Yeah. But then once it's out of sight, you're wondering where it's gone. Mm. I'd rather it still be in sight. And we basically hugged the hull of the ship all the way to the line. And then we came up the line. And as we were coming up the line, both me and my dive partner were just staring 180 degrees in one side. And she stood, she did 180 degrees the other side. And we were looking up and down the whole time we were coming up. So, mm. yeah, it is it is unnerving the minute you know what it is. I'll give you a little bit of information, okay? Yeah. Um, there have been some attacks, okay? According to the International Shark Attack File, there have been some 441 fatal shark attacks between 1958 and 2019, which are around about seven deaths per year. Great white sharks are the most aggressive in the world, and they've recorded 333 attacks on humans, 52 fatal. Wow. In 2021, the ISAF, which is the International Shark Attack File, investigated 137 alleged shark-human interactions. They confirmed 73 unprovoked attacks... 39 provoked, 11 fatalities. Provoked? Why would you provoke a shark? I don't know. Punch it. That's really stupid thing to do, though, isn't it? The latest figures I have, as of August the 18th, there have, in 2022, there have been 61 reported shark attacks. Six fatal. July the 2nd, Elizabeth Sauer was killed while on holiday in Egypt as she swam in the Red Sea. A Romanian woman was also found dead the same day. It's two attacks. June 28th, a person called Bruce Wolof was swimming in Plattenberg Bay, South Africa, attacked and killed Great White. March 20th, Antonio Abruzzi, Died from blood loss in what was believed to have been a tiger, a tiger shark attack. The Colombian island of St. Andres. February 16th. Simon Nellist from Britain killed by a shark 150 metres from the beach at Buchan Point, Sydney, Australia. First fatal attack in that area for 60 years. Wow. And going back to the beginning of the year... Victor Estrella, diving for scallops when he was attacked by a 13-foot shark off of the coast of Yavaros in Mexico. Hmm. So it's happening all the time. It's happening all the time. Which is weird because you don't think about it now. No. Do you know well, what there I mean? you go. So yeah. that's, that's the latest I have up until the 18th of August 2022. But there you go. I'll leave you to decide whether the sharks are dangerous I think whether you will go back into the sea and whether this attack in 1916 had any bearing on the <laughs> film Jaws. I, th- I think that one's <laughs> conclusive, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, obviously when it comes to 
to shark attacks and things like that. I mean, you've got to remember you're in their environment. They're obviously intrigued as to who you are, why you're there. Um, they don't kill anywhere near as many as dogs kill. In fact, the most dangerous animal in this country is a cow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Australia, take that with all your spiders and snakes. We've got cows. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, no one kills more humans than humans. So I'd be exactly. more concerned about the person over the road than I would be about a shark. Yeah. You know, you just don't. So yeah, I don't think they're, they obviously get a bad rap. The film's obviously given them a bad rap. This story kind of does seem, you know, but I suppose, I mean, like I said, if I knew there was potentially a shark, I mean, like I said, I live in Cleethorpes. Um, if there was a shark there, what about if you live 12 miles inland on a fresh water? Yeah, I think, <laughs> but again, if, you know, if one of them happened and you sort of buy a lake and it, you know, there's a shark attack in the lake and you go, well, I'm not going back in the lake. lake yeah. 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 So, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe that's just me. But again, in, in those days, you know, they're, they're following the advice that was given. They're, they're being told they're not, you know, nothing to worry about. Don't worry about it. And then obviously it happens. So, but. I suppose what it has done is highlighted the fact that people are probably a little bit more wary about seeing sharks in the wild and and things like that. Mm. So there you go. Yeah. So I'm going to apologise because I believe we're in the last couple of weeks now of the promotion. So halfway through this, Dad, you won't have noticed, but halfway through this, your voice would have disappeared and they'll have been replaced with two minutes of my voice. Uh, plugging an advert so if that has annoyed anybody if anybody's listened to that and gone oh god i wish i didn't have that advert in the middle get over to patreon because none of these adverts are on patreon so that's uh patreon.com uh this week in history but i think that's a, a pretty cool story like i said it's something that i've never never really thought about um and like i said when you told me this is what you were doing i still until listening to it I still was like, yeah, all right, we'll see how close it is to the actual story of Jaws <laughs> because shark attacks happen quite regularly. Mm. But, yeah, it does seem uh, seem pretty much the same thing. Obviously, he's changed two sharks potentially for one shark. Um, yeah, but, but you've, got, you've got the town. You've got the town needing to stay open. Yeah. You've got the boat nearly being mm. sunk. You've got, <laughs> you've got it all. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's, uh, yeah, that does seem a little bit too, uh, bit too convenient for me, that one. But, yeah, thank you very much for coming on the show. And, yeah, like I say, hopefully this was a, a bit more, I think it's a bit more of a fun story. I know we're talking about people dying here, but, um, you know, it's a bit more of a fun story from history. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, hope you enjoyed, and uh, we shall see you next week. Thanks for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.